part two of John chapter nine of 49 weeks in John nine. That's not true. Uh, You know, I I did this in a font 12 and the older I get, I think I need about an 18. (laughs) Zach's back. Hallelujah. Eric's back. Hallelujah. They had a great time. Uh, Rest. And now one of them even said he's looking forward to get back to work. I don't know whether he played too hard or rested too much or whatever, but we're grateful they're back and grateful that the rest gave God gave them uh, to come back and uh, minister here and shepherd here and preach and teach and love us. Uh, So John chapter nine, uh, you know, I, I was thinking all week, I didn't really hit on any application, you know, it's like, so what? Uh, so, so what do we have? Is, is this thing too close? Let me drop her down a notch. I'm sorry. Is it okay now? Okay. Uh, it just sounded like a, anyway, blind spots. Uh, you know, we talked about all three groups and the neighbors. They may have had a blind spot of skepticism or, uh, wanted to take this guy to the Pharisees to see, you know, really what had happened. Uh, But the applications are huge. We're all have blind spots and uh, have them in our workplaces. And it may be a blind spot that we're just, we know it's there, but we don't want to go there. We're just going to stay blind. Uh, Jesus wants to shine his light there and, but we're not going to let him because we're comfortable in our blind spots. Uh, those of y'all that are married, my word, you know, tons and tons of blind spots. You know, blind spots, you know, I know what you're thinking, really. No, you don't. You know, why did you say that that way? Well, you know, it, it, they're blind spots and we really don't understand. And, and I know that Christ does want to. And sometimes he he pushes the envelope to where he's going to force us to shine. He's going to shine and he's going to illuminate darkness and he's going to cause it to happen. And then we can see that we were blind in that area of our lives. And he continues and he continues to strive with us and continues to mold us and conform us into his image. He's so faithful to us, even when we are willing to hide behind our blind spots, and we know it. Uh, last week, we saw the reason or the case for spiritual blindness, uh, that all mankind, all mankind is blind to their condition, uh, that everyone in this chapter, except for our Savior, was blind. Um, and we came up with at least three reasons, or I did. Uh, they were stuck in the why. Why was this man born blind? You know? Was it sin? Was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? Uh, and, and we get stuck in the whys. Why did this happen? You know, who's to blame for this? If I can find someone to blame for it, that makes me feel better, and I can maybe cause it not to happen the next time. Secondly, maybe the parents were stuck in the fear of change. They didn't want to change. They were afraid of the consequences. 
if they had changed and allowed Christ to shine light, if they had sought him and rejoiced in their son's blindness, they may have. We don't really know that. But it's as if they said, no, he ain't ours anymore, and just cast him to the curb. So the fear of change, the fear of being cast out of the temple or the synagogue was one of their blind spots. I'm sure there was more. And third, the Pharisees. We talked about how neat they are to pick on because they're the most fun, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really believe that we'll find that if we're honest, that they are the ones that we are most like. And if we let Christ shine that light into a mind that is already made up or a mind that says that's just the way it is, if we let Christ shine his light there, we would see that our mind is not made up. And we do not really know how it is. And we do not really know how God should act. That's what we get in trouble in with, with the mind made up. And so Jesus was stepping into their darkness to expose and confront with it all of his light. That's the case that everybody's spiritually blind. The causes, at least three, maybe four, maybe skepticism. The neighbors, you know, skeptical. Eh, don't know. It's not this guy. It looks like him. No, it is the guy. And so taking to the Pharisees, that could possibly also be a blind spot. But thirdly, and this week, we'll look at the cure for spiritual blindness. The only cure. Jesus, we read that neither the sin of the man born blind nor the sin of the parents was the reason why. That it happened, why did it happen? And that the disciples want to know. That the works of God might be displayed in him. That the works of God might be displayed in him. That is a year's worth of sermons or lessons right there. Why did you save me? Why were we saved? Why are we gathering? Well, so that the works of God may be displayed in us in various ways. He is the creator and he is so creative. He can show his works through us in ways we can't fathom. Shine your light there, Jesus. So here's how Jesus does it. Jesus spits on the ground, makes mud out of the saliva, and anoints this guy's eyes, okay? Sinless spit mixed with sinless dirt placed by the sinless Son of God on this man's eyes. Jesus anointed him, anointed him. That was offensive, okay? In that day and age, that was an offensive act. I wonder if he told the man what he was doing. What do you think? Now, just hold on here. I'm going to do a little something here. I'm going to make some mud. I'm going to make some dirt. Make some mud, and I'm going to put it on your eyes. The guy just, he may not have told the man anything. The man may have just had this trust that something's getting ready to happen. Jesus spat in his face figuratively. It is as offensive today as it was then. And that's how Jesus stepped into and revealed himself in the story. And there's tons of thoughts. Theologians have tried to figure out just why Jesus did it this way. You know, was it because Jesus created man out of the dirt and he took the dirt to recreate the man's eyes? Uh, 
did he anoint the man's eyes with mud that he would raise the expectations of the man, expectations of his faith? I don't know. A lot of whys. A lot of people stuck in the whys. Perhaps. And I'm not a theologian by any stretch. Uh, It was another shot at the foolish law of the Pharisees to help people see that the oral traditions of the Pharisees were foolish and were not part of God's plan. The Pharisees were scrupulous in all of those little bitty things, tithing a dill seed, that's a tiny one, and then swallowing a camel, so to speak. Jesus said, you know, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. They've got all these laws. So perhaps this is what Jesus was trying to reveal to the Pharisees and to everybody and especially to us. If you spit, here's the Pharisees thinking. If you spit on Sunday, Sabbath, sorry, Saturday. If you spit on the Sabbath, it may run downhill. If it runs downhill, it may make mud. Mud is used for, the, for construction. Construction is a work. Hence, therefore, don't spit on the Sabbath. I know we think that's so crazy, and it is. But that's what the Pharisees thought. Are we let, willing to let Jesus put mud on our eyes? Something that is not real, that's fairly offensive? To hear him say, go wash for the purpose of removing your blind spot? Rhett, are you really willing to let me do that? Because you got them. We all got them. To offend and confront our sensibilities by taking me to those places, by taking you to those places that we're we're stuck in, places we're afraid of, places where we already have our minds made up about something, about the way God is going to work, about the way people are going to act. It's like Jesus said to me, okay, not said, but I feel this in my heart. Rhett, your mind is made up about so many things. You're a Martha when it comes to your mind made up. Let me shine some light in those spots that you, have made, you may have more of me in the life that I want to flow through you. So it may be this. Maybe, maybe we, you know, maybe, either we let him spit in our face, okay? Or we're going to, in the end, spit in his face if we're lost. At the end of chapter 26 in Matthew, do you remember what they did? And they spat in his face and they hit him. And they said, prophesy, who was it that hit you? It's either one or two things. If we're his, we pray you remove blind spots out of our face. This messy, grimy, but intimate and merciful act of anointing with muddy spit, not only does this guy allow Jesus to do it, but he goes a step further. Jesus says, go wash now in the pool of Siloam, which is a distance So he had to travel to this pool and wash his eyes. This guy, maybe he said, yeah, ain't nothing to lose. I'm going to try it. And so he sees for the first time ever. He sees his mom and his dad. Wow. Is that what you look like? I thought you were a little taller maybe or 
whatever. He sees first time what the color red looks like. He sees first time what people look like in God's creation. The creator that created everything had just recreated his physical eyes. And he was seeing it. I think he saw it in HD graphics. I don't know how many pixels you need, but I bet he saw it as clear and as vibrant and as brilliant as ever. He had to. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And this is a, a, a pretty cool thought that from eternity past, before God ever created this world or this man or anything, God had chosen this one man, singled him out to display his works in him. He did it. And to redeem him and bring him into his family, to bring him in his family, because his family was going to what? Forsake him. When Jesus, when asked by his neighbors about who healed him, the guy called him, called Jesus the man. The man called Jesus. So he calls him a man. The Pharisees enter the picture and they confront him with stating that this man can't be from God. He breaks the Sabbath with spit and he makes mud and he anoints eyes. He can't be, he's a sinner. Then the man calls him a prophet. When the Pharisees face him a second time, get this now, he attacks their blindness and does it without any whys or fears. He does it. As their spiritual leaders, he said, guys, y'all ought to know this. And so they ask him again. And he said, I already told you once. Come on. You didn't listen. That's what he said. And you wouldn't listen. Do you want to become one of the disciples? Imagine what that would do to the Pharisee. Probably bristled and really got hot. So they pull and they play the Moses card. He always, you know, we're disciples of Moses. We don't know where this man came from. We don't know anything about it. But we know he's a sinner because he breaks the Sabbath. The man said this, this is an amazing thing between the lines. You are the rulers, the shepherds. You are God's leaders of his people. And you don't know? Really? He called it an amazing thing. He said this, if anyone is a worshiper of God, God listens to him. He said, never has anything like this been done before in the world. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. No thing. He could do nothing. And the Pharisees replied, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. Maybe the guy said, "Hmm, yep. And so then they cast him out. They cast him out of the synagogue. He didn't care. He could see. And Jesus knows all of this. Okay, he knows all of the backstory. He knows what's happened. He knows what's going on. And he seeks him out and he finds him. Finds him alone. He initiates him first. Calls him, directs him to wash. And then after being forsaken by his parents, here's this verse, Psalm 2710. I couldn't help but think about this verse. Let me just enter this in. And you know, it may be our fathers and mothers have forsaken us too, but Psalm 27, 10, David said, For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And that's what Jesus was doing. Yeah, his mom and dad has forsaken him. But the Lord will take me in. How committed is Jesus? How committed is he? 
So Jesus asked him, he said, well, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man replies, and who is he, sir, that I may believe? Jesus said to him, you've seen him. Kind of like the woman at the well. <laughs> it is me who's speaking to you. You've seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Maybe in his heart the guy said, sweet. But it's recorded, Lord, I believe. That's when the eyes of his heart were opened. Lord, I believe. That's when he was given salvific faith. That's when he was given redemption. His seeing led to believing, and his believing led to his seeing. And he worshiped him. I don't know how he worshiped him, but in his heart, Jesus was the greatest treasure and most valuable thing this man had ever known or ever would know. So if you've ever had an encounter with the Messiah, with the Christ, you know what that's like. Everything else, everything else, the whys, the fears, the uncertainties, the skepticism, the made-up mind, everything, at least for a moment, okay, at least for some moments, you see like you've never, ever seen before. New life in Christ. New, new in a way that has never been experienced before or ever will be experienced again. My goodness. Wow. Behold, if any man is in Christ, that word behold means wow. He's a new creation. He set his affection on me. He came and he sought me out. Nothing have I experienced like this before. He has caused me to believe in the simple gospel. Yet yeah, simple, but it is complex beyond our imagination. I am loved. I am loved. No, we're never going to understand everything. Aren't you glad? But it's okay. In fact, we'll only understand this much or that which God would cause us to understand. But we can worship him in that place of spiritual freedom that has been given us and cost him his life, that he bore the wrath of God in our place for us, for all of those that will embrace him in faith with new eyes. So, is that your story this morning? Were you broken? That you were blind in your own sin since birth? If you were, you were very much like this beggar, making an effort to make your life fit, making things fit, but just not fitting. And Jesus, Jesus found you and he said, it is I. It is I. If not... If that's not your story this morning, then you're stuck. You're stuck in the whys of life or skeptical like the neighbors or fearful or lonely in your blindness, bumping into everything you can because you can't see. Oh, you can see. You're not going to run into a building or anything, but you can't see the way things really are. If that's your story, if, that's your, if, if you're wrestling with things, 
with, with you, Christ, God, life, sin, eternity. Find an elder after this service. Find someone that you can confide in, that you believe knows Christ, to help you process what in the world is going on. You're not here this morning by per chance or by some strange con coincidence or by the rolling of a dice. God placed you here. I say this every time. God placed you here specifically this morning to hear the words of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And period. He did. He chose you out of however many is here to bring you to Charles Henderson High School in the lunchatorium. Not lunchatorium, auditorium, whatever. Uh, Psalm 139.23 states this request. It's not a request. It's a plea. It's a cry of the heart. Search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And perhaps we can add to that and show us. Show us our blind spots, but give us a heart that is willing to let Jesus shine his light there. That we would become more mature, more conformed to the image of his son as we grow in his likeness. He'll do it. He says so. Y'all pray with me.